Welcome to the CIO Evolution. In this podcast, we'll explore the Chief Information Officer's role in executing a new ongoing leadership imperative, digital transformation that promotes agility and resilience. How do CIOs upgrade legacy networks? What are the financial challenges CIOs face? And what are the security measures that are required in the new work-from-anywhere mobile and cloud-based world? Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to episode 13 of the CIO Evolution podcast series. I'm Christoph Heidler. I'm the guest host um, working for Zscaler as VP Global Transformation Strategy and also CIO EMEA. Uh, prior to joining Zscaler, I've been CIO of a number of companies. I've also been on the board of a few companies. And as such, the topic of security and how the role of a CISO has developed in the last years is of uh, greatest interest to me and I hope also to you. And I'm very happy to welcome Simon Hutchinson to our podcast today. Simon, I would have introduced you as the theme, uh, former CISO of BP because that's how I, I got to know you uh, a year ago. But in the meantime, I read uh, on LinkedIn and other places that uh, you do much more. I mean, obviously, you have left BP and since you uh, developed further and have a number of other roles. So, Simon, probably best you introduce yourself to the audience. Brilliant. Thanks, Christoph. I'm, I guess I'm a career IT um, person, so I've done 35 plus years in uh, in IT. And my last role, was, uh, my last corporate role was Chief Information Security Officer at BP. I did that for four years. And prior to that, I ran um, global infrastructure and operations for, uh, for BP. Now um, I've moved to roles where I have no operational accountability at all. Um, and uh, I do advisory roles for a number of software um, companies and services companies, uh, including uh, Zscaler. Um, I also act as a chief operating officer for a not-for-profit organization called Trans in the City, uh, which focuses on inclusion, and um, that's a real big passion of mine. Great. Thanks, Simon. You said you moved away from operations. Are you missing uh, your phone ringing during nights or weekends? Not in the slightest, Christoph. And uh, as you might imagine, there's, uh, there's calls come through about, would you like to do an interim role? And uh, I very, am very clear that I do not want to go back to the world where I'm being woken up in the middle of the night about, uh, talk, uh, about some particular attack on our organization. So now I'm very happy. I see. But obviously, I mean, you do have the experience and there's a lot you can tell. But what I'm really particularly interested is in, I mean, we, we live in very unpredictable times, right? And we have, uh, we have seen that um, with uh, COVID, obviously, the chip crisis, the war, the disruption of uh, supply chain, um, w things are constantly changing. Now, not only your personal development, you said you moved on as change, but I think also the role of security and in particular the role of the CISO in a company has changed in recent times. Can you talk a bit about your observation, how things have changed and, you know, whether it's specific due to the pandemic and the other crisis we had or if it's a general move in the industry that IT security is taking a different 
attention is getting a different attention is going up to the board level? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I think probably the most significant change is just the profile. Um, so if you think about over the last decade, the chief information security officer um, was probably called head of security and embedded under um, under the infrastructure or the, uh, the CIO organization. Um, because of uh, the profile of cyber risk and the fact that businesses, um, hopefully most businesses recognize cyber as being one of their top um, risks, the role of the CISO has just um, become much more high profile. And now you often see um, the CISO as a peer um, to the CIO or the chief digital officer or the chief technology officer. Um, and the CISO tends to get a lot more time with the uh, executive team and the uh, and the board um, because of the the, uh, the, sh the sheer size of the risk to business operations. I think thinking back, there were there were a couple of incidents, of course, that really amplified that. Um, probably um, the most notable one was um, not Petya and WannaCry. Um, uh, you know, they were they're still used quite extensively um, in in narratives about what could happen, and they are still very appropriate. But in those events, of course, um, some very significant brands. Uh, were unable to deliver uh, any of their business. And more recently, um, we saw the effect of a ransomware attack on something like Colonial Pipeline, um, where they essentially shut down their production operations because uh, of a ransomware attack. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, the business really now recognise this isn't a technical risk at all. This is all about the business's ability to have uh, an operationally resilient environment, and, and hence the CISO role has grown in profile. No, I definitely agree, and I have absolutely the same observation that you know the the head of security in the past was part of the infrastructure team or reporting to the CIO, and now seems to be on the same level. Sometimes even in a in a different reporting structure, from reporting yeah. straight to into the the operational board, the board of directors, or even having a more governance role, um, which I think is also linked to the increasing fear to fail on regulations. I mean, we all got involved years ago when GDPR came up. Now we hear discussions about SHREMS. What's your view there? Is it is it more, or maybe it's equally the same, but is it because of the, the the risk that companies see in cybersecurity and the threat that uh, that is in it, or is it also linked to regulations and obviously failing on GDPR, failing on other regulations? We can we all know it's it can be fairly expensive. So how you how you see see this play together? Yeah, the, the role of, it's a great question actually because the role of the CISO does vary um, quite considerably. Uh, depending on the organization that they sit in. Some take a really, uh, if you think about three lines of defense, so your basic operations, your assurance functions and audit, some cybersecurity organization uh, do, do um, operations and assurance. Some of the organizations just, uh, just do assurance. And so there isn't a one size uh, fits all model. 
I think regulation, however, has has really kind of amplified um, again uh, the 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 role of the CISO in providing that assurance. And um, you touched particularly on GDPR and trends. Um, having having worked for BP that operated in eighty countries, you could pick any number of those countries, and they'll all have their own cyber regulation that they're um, implementing. So in the US, for instance, you you obviously got this, the California um, uh, Act, the CCPA. Um, in India, you've got their privacy regulations, which look pretty similar to GDPR, um, with similar sort of fine regimes um, that go around that. Um, uh, but you could pick any country, and, and everybody is is moving to that uh, that more reg more more regulated um, world around um, data privacy, in particular. And that's that's a big challenge for global organizations. And you also touched on SHREMS, so the sharing of uh, of, of data um, outside of the, the EU. That is a huge challenge to global organizations. Some were already dealing with that through things like binding corporate rules, but for others, it's it's a big new challenge that um, that uh, that data sharing is uh, is having. There was a great book written many years ago by, by a guy called Thomas Friedman, and it was called "The World Was The World Is Flat," and it was about the globalization of the economy. Actually, what I'm seeing now is more and more isolationism um, uh, in terms of that sort of cyber world, um, which which frankly makes it increasingly difficult for global organizations to operate efficiently and effectively and still um, within the, uh, the different regulatory regimes in which they operate. You're right, there are so many regulations and I, I probably mentioned only a few and you mentioned a lot more, but is there, I mean, it's hard to believe that one, one CISO can know all of them and can stay on top of all of them. Is there any advice you want to give on how to stay on top of this, how to deal with the various regulations? I mean, is there any good, smart way that you can propose? Well, honestly, for me, it was having a brilliant legal team. Um, so, uh, you know, people that were constantly monitoring the evolution of the landscape and working closely with my um, governance, risk and compliance organization to make sure that we were always, we were always ahead of the uh, the next change in uh, in regulation but i was you know I, frankly christoph i was blessed to work for a big organization where um, we had we had resources we could deploy for it um uh, to so so for for many smaller organizations i think it it it, it is a bigger challenge with cybersecurity now being you know topic on a different level being at the board level the executive or non-executive board level that meant to you and that means to the other CISOs to speak a different language, right? There are different expectation on this level in terms of communication, in terms of reporting, in terms of explaining risks. Uh, what have you seen there? What is your advice and what have you seen work on this level? Because obviously, like we said, you know, you come from a very, not you, but the CISO comes from a very operational, IT infrastructure level and now um, elevates in a different role. And as I said, you have to learn to speak a different language, to explain yourself different, to satisfy other reporting requirements. What have you seen work on these uh, management levels? 
I think I think the the main thing is the narrative has to has to connect to um, the the audience, and I think that's probably true of any forum which um, you 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 share uh, you speak or you share content with people. So within uh, within the board, we we needed to make sure that we talked about cyber in context of the business. So what was the business outcomes we were trying to achieve? And how did the, the cyber risk relate to, to the ability of the business to achieve those outcomes? So rather than run around and, and talk about, you know, the skies falling in and, you know, there's all of these attacks, which, of course, we, we, we have clearly needed to use that data um, to, to inform people about what was happening. We also needed to change the narrative around the risk to talk about actually cyber cause a major accident in uh, in a uh, on an operating platform. So for BP, you think, you know, the horrific uh, events of Gulf of Mexico uh, and uh, the, the trigger for that could have been a cyber attack on the on the OT systems. It wasn't, of course, but it's changing that narrative to make sure that you, you connect to the business. What, one of the examples was when we got to the point where um, the cyber risk to our operational platforms was actually at the same level uh, as a major accident risk for those platforms. So people then really understood about the potential consequences of a cyber attack in, in, in that environment. And, you know, I used to use a fairly, I used to go to a number of committees. I used to go to the Audit and Risk Committee to talk about uh, cybersecurity. And I used to go to the um, Safety Committee um, to talk about cybersecurity from an operational technology perspective, because the business really understood there was your traditional cyber risk to the enterprise IT platform and the potential of uh, disruption to business operations or, or, or loss of data, but also importantly that there was this potential uh, for the operations technology networks to be attacked, causing uh, a safety or um, a, a major accident in those environments. Great, great answer. We've spoken a lot about you know what to do, what not to do, and and the processes and the approach to it. But I've seen recently, and, and, and maybe it's been there before, but I've just recently seen a number of articles around it where companies go as far as linking the executive's performance against the ability to manage cyber risk uh, in the company as far as going to link the entire executive bonus um, to it. What's your view there? I mean, is that is that a reasonable approach? Yeah, I think I think the first and foremost, um, cyber is just another risk. We 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 sort of, in some respects, things like NotPetya and the devastating impact that had on on, on uh, organisations like Maersk, as I said, really raised raised the profile. Um, but it raised the profile where people tended to look to the CIO or the CISO to own that risk. So I think the first thing um, organizations need to do is really to make it clear that the accountability for cyber risks sits with the business leadership. The accountability doesn't sit with the CISO or indeed the CIO um, so that they really recognize that this is uh, in the same way as your managed safety risk or financial risk. It, it's managed as a, a, a general operational risk and is not seen as a special 
And of course, you know, the board holds the executive team um, to account through the oversight they do uh, on effective risk management. So, um, you know, part of effective risk management is ensuring that you um, you understand um, the cyber risk. You take uh, appropriate um, mitigating actions to get to a level where the risk posture um, is appropriate to the business you're running. So in many respects, I think it does already link um, to executive performance through the whole risk um, risk management um, lens. I think there is a nuance with cyber um, in some respects that um, makes it again a little bit special and that is most risks for businesses are either geographically constrained or constrained to a particular business segment. Um, the difference with cyber risk is it tends to be borderless and boundaryless. So, you know, it, it, it often isn't an isolated, say, a, an impact to a business in um, in the US. Um, if somebody gets hit with ransomware, it tends to take the entire business down. Um, and therefore, um, the, 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 the type of risk management you need to put in place um, needs to be appropriate to um, the, the potential worst case um, scale of uh, scale of that risk. I fully agree, and I, I think you're right. It's not the only risk. So you might be a bit tactical in my eyes of some companies to putting money against it to get the faster faster um, outcomes. Um, I don't know if you've seen. We recently uh, announced that, uh, as we obviously see a lot, what's happening at our customers that in our product we will um, enhance reporting capabilities and will show a dashboard showing your evaluation of your risk score. Did you have any chance to look at this? So I've read about it. I haven't looked at it in, in detail. I, I'd, I'd kind of love to do that. But, you know, we, we historically back at DP, we were looking at things like uh, Microsoft security score uh, as a way of um, measuring the risk to the things that Microsoft should, could, could, could see. Um, in terms of the uh, the landscape that they manage. So I think they're good because actually it gives you a, a kind of maturity assessment of where you are today. Uh, therefore, you're able to kind of decide whether you need to get better. It, yeah, and that's data focus. One of the challenges in, in cyber is, is quantifying cyber risk. So back to the point about you could lose your entire business. What, what value do you put on that? Uh, it tends to be quite much easier to value a small part of the business, but the notion of losing everything, what is the value at risk about that? And how do you make that sensible in terms of your uh, your risk quantification? Things like Zscaler are producing is fantastic that gives the, the CISO more data um, quantitative metrics that show um, more about your cybersecurity posture is, is a good thing. Simon, I think we could talk for hours, but um, looking at the time, we probably have to come to an end Typical ending question, Simon, any final advice, any final direction you want to give um, to uh, to leaders, to IT, cybersecurity, CXOs in the space of IT and digitization? Assume the worst is going to happen. Back to my point about this is a business risk. Um, the one, if I was, if I was only allowed one thing, it would be make sure you exercise from the CEO, from the board down through the organization, that you are ready and prepared that if you get hit by a cyber attack, that everything from your legal, your communications, your HR fun um, functions, your business leadership functions, 
are in uh, have been engaged in a uh, an exercise to to understand how you would manage through um, that particular scenario because sadly most most organizations either have or will be hit by a reasonably significant cyber attack at some point um, in their uh, in their lifetime thank you simon thank you so much for spending time with me spending time with us today and of course thank you to the listeners for tuning in hope to see you soon again. Thanks, Christoph. Thanks for listening to the CIO Evolution. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find more episodes along with other podcasts on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of the recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.